Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Well, it is so good to see you again, at least the uh, upper thirds of your face. Uh, Welcome back uh, to all those of you who are here in the building, and welcome to all those who are tuning in online. We are so glad that, you know, wherever you're watching from, that you've joined with us for worship this morning. And uh, I was just thinking about it uh, this week, that it has been six and a half months since we last met together. That's incredible. Our last in-person service was March 15th, and you know, it, that seems like a, a lifetime ago, doesn't it? <laughs> Back in quaint times when all we were really concerned about were the Australian wildfires and Brexit, right? Things have uh, changed a little bit since then. But my question for you this morning is, how are you doing? I mean, really, how is your soul doing after the last six months? I mean, I feel like we've had a decade or two worth of uh, traumatic things compressed into six months. And and, and I, as a pastor, I just wonder how you're doing. (laughs) You know, and, and I think for many of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are, are, are battling just to kind of keep their heads above water, and that makes sense because think about it. I mean, there's the, we're living in this state of constant vigilance against a microscopic virus that we can't really do much to control, and it puts us in a state of anxiety all the time. And then there's the effect of lockdown and isolation. I mean, I don't think we, we, we can even begin to understand how much that is actually affecting us. I think, you know, really scientists are just now digging into the effects of being isolated for an extended period of time. And then there's the economic uncertainty. There's the, you know, the, the, the people that have lost jobs, people that have lost income. And, and what do we do about that? You know, how, do we, how are we going to make ends meet? And there's just this uncertainty because nobody knows when this is going to end. And that's just the stuff that we know about, the stuff that we can see, our physical circumstances. But I also think there's spiritual challenges going on as well. I believe that the spiritual battle, the unseen spiritual warfare has increased dramatically in recent times. And people that we've had speaking here over the summer have hinted at that at times. But it seems like the demonic activity, spirits of of hatred and fear, spirits of death and, and accusation and unbelief are are rampaging on the earth today, and, and that might sound crazy to you, that might sound you know, like really weird, and I can't you know, scientifically prove that, but all I can say is over the last 12 months, I personally have experienced more spiritual warfare than at any point in my life, and my suspicion is you have as well. So if you're struggling this morning, if, if, if you felt like you know, you're just kind of barely keeping your head above water, there's good reason for that. I get it. And so the question that I have and the question that I want to try to answer in our time here this morning is, what does your soul need? What do you need in this time when, when, when so much uncertainty abounds? What, what do you need to thrive and not just survive this season? If this were to go on for another couple of years, what, what would you need in order to, to actually be joyful 
in the midst of a time when many people are despairing? What would you need to be peaceful when so many people are full of anxiety right now? Well, the obvious answer would be, you know, it'd be great if this pandemic would go, right? <laughs> but if that, since that's probably not going to happen today, and it's probably not going to happen for some time to come, if nothing about your, your, your physical circumstances could change, what do you need to actually be able to thrive and not just survive in this season? Well, I think the answer is the same for everyone. And I think the answer is union with God. We need union with God. We need oneness with him. We need to be connected to him in a vital way. We need a, 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 a union with God. Not just a theological concept, but an experiential reality. And I think for a lot of Christians, this is just kind of a concept, like you've maybe heard this thrown around in the Bible a few times, but, but to be honest, it's not something that at least I've heard talked about very much in the church over the years, and certainly not something I've talked about much. But union with God is a major theme in the New Testament. And union with God is something that I just personally, God has put his finger on for me over the last few months. And, and, and as I've kind of clued into it, I've noticed that it's actually something that other people in the body of Christ are talking about as well. So I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, church, if you're going to thrive in this season, if you're going to, to overcome the, the adversity that you're facing, you need union with God. So we're starting this series this morning called Union, and over the next few weeks, we're just going to be looking at what it means to have union with God, how to, how to practice it, and what it means to actually experience union with God and figure out what, what stands in the way of that. And, and I love like this image here. It's just a picture of a key with the word union engraved on it, and, and I feel like that's such a prophetic picture for what I'm talking about because union with God is a key in this season. It's a key for us as a church to go forward. It's a key for us in our relationship with God to, to flourish in this season. So let me explain what I mean by union with God. What is that all about? I would define it this way. It's just my own definition. Union with God is living deeply connected to and sustained by God. Living deeply connected to and sustained by God. Now, you know, definitions are nice, but that doesn't really like touch the heart. So let's dig a little bit deeper. Um, actually, the best illustration that I know of union with God is marriage. Now, that's the example that Paul uses in Ephesians. He says this. He says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. What Paul's saying there is that, that marriage is a physical representation of a spiritual reality. There's something about marriage that teaches us about how we are to relate to God. And I've said many times that, that we are created for relationship with God, and that's true. But as I've been thinking about that, I actually think that that, that union is maybe a better way to say it, that we're created for union with God. Because we have all kinds of relationships, don't we? We have relationships that we cherish, and we have relationships that we're, you know, that, that maybe we don't cherish as much. 
We have all kinds of different relationships, but union is the quality of the relationship that God desires with us. And so if you think about it, you know, this illustration of marriage, uh, you know, when Lauren and I got married, we went from being two independent people living separate lives to becoming bound together, united as one in love. Uh, We went from living separate lives to suddenly now living this life of deep um, intimacy and connection and interdependence. And that, and, and as a result, we, our lives, we went from, you know, being on our own to suddenly now we're one. We're one couple together. And that is a picture of what God is after with us. He wants that union, that interdependence, that, that constant connection, that, that, that ongoing conversation with him. Marriage is a great example of what it means, but I think another way to look at it is maybe to differentiate what union with God is not. And and I found this great quote from John Eldridge that I think says it really well. He puts it this way, believing in God is not the same thing as union with God. Doing various God activities is not the same as union with God. Obeying God isn't necessarily union with God. These things can all be done while there is a kind of distance between our soul and God. You can read all about Italy, but that is very different from actually living there. I think he's right. A lot of us think union with God is about religious activity. A lot of us think union with God is is about reading your Bible more and praying more, things like that. And, And those things can be the fruit of union with God, but actually union with God is something far deeper so union with God is something far more profound than, 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 um, than just simple religious activity. And we're gonna, I'm going to explain that and unpack that more as this series continues. But union with God is going back to the definition that I gave you. Union with God is living deeply connected to and being sustained by God. Now, the premise that I want to put out there this morning is this. The Christian life is meant to be lived in union with God. The Christian life is meant to be lived in union with God. That's why I'm saying it's, it's such a key for our faith that, that it's impossible to live the Christian life well without union with God. Well, how do we know that? Well, it's because that is the life that Jesus modeled for us. Remember, Jesus, when we think about him, we think, you know, Jesus was able to do all these fantastic things because he was God. He was able to do all these miracles because he was God. And it's true that he is God. But remember, Paul teaches us that that Jesus, when he became one of us, when he became flesh, he emptied himself. He set aside his divine privileges and his divine power, and he lived his life as a man. In other words, Jesus didn't take shortcuts in his life. He lived with all the limitations that you and I do in order to show us what's possible when you live in union with God. And that's how he did it. So in John chapter 5, verse 19, he says this. He says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. No miracles, no teaching, no nothing. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. I think what Jesus is saying there is that all the miracles that he did. You know, when, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was God, what was happening was the father was prompting him saying, son, I want you to turn this water into wine and I'm going to give you the power to do it. And so he did. 
And when Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, it was, he was, he, it was because his father was saying, son, I want you to multiply this food and distribute it to the masses. <laughs> and I'm going to give you the power to do it. And so he did. And when he healed the blind and when he, he uh, cleansed the leper and when he raised the dead, it was because his father was prompting him and empowering. There was this dependence that Jesus had upon his father. He lived in perfect unity with the father and he was showing us that is how the Christian life is meant to be lived. And if you skip ahead in John, uh, the last four, uh, he devotes four chapters to the Last Supper, his account of the Last Supper. That's almost 20% of, of the book. And what we get in that story is, you know, hopefully you're familiar with it, but it's, it's the account of Jesus having his last meal with his disciples before he, is, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be betray, betrayed and arrested and then sent to death and tortured horribly on the way. <laughs> and so as he arrives there, the disciples still haven't really clued into what's going on, but Jesus absolutely knows what's about to happen. And so he, he does some things that are profound. He, he washes his disciples' feet to model the heart of, of, of God to serve and to love his people. Then he, he institutes the practice of communion. He celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples, which is a prophetic demonstration of what he was about to do. And, and they're not getting it, but he is, everything that he's doing in this moment is full of meaning, meaning. And then in the last three chapters, he gives his final instruction. The last four chapters, he gives his final instructions to his disciples. This is his final teaching to them. These are his last words before he goes through his suffering and death. And so what he's saying to them is super important. And what he says to them is the whole theme, if you could just capture it into a word, he's talking about union with God. And in chapter 17, the last chapter of this, he, he begins to pray. He, it's just the whole chapter is one big prayer of Jesus that's recorded for us. And, and in the middle of this prayer, he prays something really profound. He says this, he says, my prayer is not for them alone, them being the disciples who were there with him in the room. So it's it like, I'm not just praying for these guys right here. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. So he's saying, I'm, I'm not just praying for these guys. I'm praying for everybody to come that's, that's going to put their faith in me in the centuries to come. And that includes us. I think that's pretty cool. My prayer is that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now, Whenever you read John, sometimes I think John makes Jesus sound a little bit like Yoda. <laughs> he kind of has this sort of um, uh, circular, sort of indirect way of saying things. So it can be a bit of a mouthful kind of unpacking what Jesus is saying there. But I think what he's saying here is really important. So I want to, to unpack it because if Jesus is praying this for us, then I think it would be a good idea to understand what he's praying about because it's probably pretty important. And if you've ever heard this passage talked about before, it's usually understood in terms of 
church unity, that Jesus is praying that his followers would be able to get along with one another. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, uh, certainly a part of what he's saying, but I actually don't think that's the core of what he's saying. I believe what he's talking about here is union with God. So if you go back to the, the previous screen there, it says that, you know, he, he says that, I pray that all of them may be one, Father. And then, but notice that's, that's, you know, you can think, well, that's just about church unity, but no, because that's just the, the first half of a sentence. He continues, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. He's talking about union. And then he comes back to it in the latter half of the verse, and he's just saying, hey, uh, I've given them the glory that you've given me, that, I, that, that they would be one. Actually, skip to the next screen. It says, I in them and you in me. Actually, go back, sorry. <laughs> I in them and you in me. That's what he's talking about there. He's talking about union, that we would be connected with him in such a profound way, complete unity, he says there, that we would live just like Jesus did, with this dependence on the Father, with this union with the Father. That's what, the, that, that, that's what we're meant for. That's what we're created for, and that's why he's praying this for us, because he knows how crucial this is for the Christian life. So I come back to what I said earlier, that the Christian life is meant to be lived in union with God. That's what Jesus modeled for us. That's what he prayed for us. And the opposite is also true. The Christian life doesn't work apart from union with God. The Christian life does not work apart from union with God. And this is what Jesus himself taught. Earlier in this last teaching to his disciples in John 15, Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Nothing? Apart from me, you can do nothing? Are you serious? Like we can't do anything? Jesus is saying, no, 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 you cannot live the Christian life out of your own strength. It has to be lived out of union with me. Everything that, that, that really bears lasting fruit comes through union with me. So let me explain it this way. You know, I think a lot of us are trying so hard in our faith. We're trying so hard to be faithful. We're trying so hard to be obedient. We're trying so hard to love that obnoxious person because we know that's what God called us to do, to love one another even when they're hard to love. Uh, we're trying so hard to overcome temptation. We're trying so hard to, to care for the poor and, and be faithful in prayer and do all these different things. And I think for many of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're exhausted. Or, or, or maybe we're puzzled because there seems to be a lack of power, you know, the power that Jesus seemed to promise us. Or, or maybe we're puzzled because there's a lack of transformation and we're still just stuck in the same cycles of sin and, and addiction that, that we've been stuck in for years. And we're like, hey, well, I thought Christianity was meant to transform me. I thought Christianity was meant to make life different and better. And I, I still feel stuck the same. And I, I think what Jesus is saying to us here is why that happens. It's because we're trying to live out our faith in our own strength. We're trying to fix ourselves. We're trying to be a good person. We're trying out of our own strength to live out our faith. And that, Jesus is telling us here, is not how the Christian life is meant to be lived. He's saying 
the Christian life is meant to be lived in connection with me. I feel like what a lot of us are experiencing is what happens when you, you know, to use Jesus' illustration, when you cut the branch off of the vine, what happens? It slowly withers and dies, but, but what we're trying to do is we're, you know, we're expecting that branch to somehow continue to grow leaves and bear fruit, and it just won't happen. It has to be connected to the vine. It has to be connected to Jesus. That's, everything we do is the overflow of our union with God. And that's why this is so, so important for us to understand in this hour. Because Jesus has the strength that you need, the peace that you need, the wisdom that you need to endure in this hour. No matter what obstacles or difficulties or circumstances you're facing, everything we need is found in this vine. And if we are connected to him, then we can overcome, we can endure, we can persevere, we can have joy, we can have peace in the midst of the most difficult and arduous situations. So hopefully I've convinced you that union with God is a good thing, that union with God is, is the way it's meant to be lived. But the question then is how? <laughs> how do we live out of union with God? Well, to answer that question, you'll need to come back next week. <laughs> because that, as they say, is a sermon in itself. So as we close this morning, I want to do something that I've been wanting to do ever since uh, we went into lockdown, and that's to be able to take communion together. And communion, of course, was a part of what Jesus instituted in that scene that we get at the end of the Gospel of John, where Jesus is having his last supper with, with his disciples. And if you think about it, communion is a celebration of our union with God. It's saying, Jesus, I receive what you have done for me, and I want to be one with you. So in a moment, we're going to take communion, but first I want to just simply say, I want to do one thing first, and that is, if you're here this morning, or you're watching online, and you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never said yes to him, you've never put your faith in him, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Maybe this morning as you've been listening, your heart's been pounding, or you've just experienced this longing of, oh yeah, I want union with God. And let me tell you, it is the sweetest thing to not have to live life in, on your own, to not have to, to be the, the solution, your own solution to all the problems that you're facing. Listen, God knows your name, and he knows your circumstances, and he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And putting your faith in him, that might feel like a scary step. And there's part of you that's maybe saying, no, I don't want to do that. that that's, that's too extreme. That's too, you know, what will people think? But I promise you, putting your life, putting your soul in the hands of a God who loves you, who created you, who made you, and who cares for you more than you can possibly imagine is the best decision you will ever make. And so if you're wanting that union with God, then I just want to simply lead you in a prayer, a prayer of surrender, just a prayer of saying yes to him. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just simply your heart connecting with God and inviting him in. So if you want that this morning, I'm just going to pray. And if you want that, just pray in your own hearts with me. Father, I desire union with you. I don't want to do life on my own. 
Father, I'm weary, I'm tired, I'm scared, and I need you. So today I just surrender. I say yes to you, Jesus. I put my hope and my faith in you, and I just invite you to come to fill my heart, to fill my life. I choose to follow you from this day forward. Give me a clean start and a new heart. Fill me with your spirit and help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that for the first time, I want you to know that all of heaven rejoices over you. I also want to encourage you not to keep it a secret. So if you've just prayed that prayer and you're watching online, then, then we want to hear it. Drop a message in the comments or you can go to our website and connect with us there. and That'll get you in touch with one of our pastors. If you prayed that prayer here, then please stop by on, our, on your way out of here today and let us know. We would love to, to pray with you to help you begin this journey of learning to follow Jesus. But for the rest of us, we're going to conclude today by taking communion together. So. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.